0: who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. And he, and he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when, he, but when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. Now his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing, and he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him, but but he answered his father, look, these many years I have served you, and I never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends." But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the gotten calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you were always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad. For this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Um, Heavenly Father, um, I want to thank you for um, your word. Um, it is good and is right and is true. Um, I want to thank you for Chris Horn. Um, be with him tonight as he brings your message. Um, be with us this next next week um, as we go through midterms and tests. Um, let us not only focus on ourselves, but also focus on our friends and the people around us. Um, and listen and look um, to you. Um, we love you. Amen.
1: Thank you, Miss Charlotte. Uh, welcome again to you guys. Good to see you. Uh, my name is Chris. If I don't know you, that means that, well... Uh, I don't know what that means. That means that I've never met you, clearly. So, um, good to have you here. Welcome to you again. We say welcome so many times because we're just really, really thrilled that you're here. Because it's midterms, let's be honest. And it probably feels very much like there are better places to be, more important places to be right now. And we're just grateful that you're here. I wanted to say something really quickly, too. Um, so, I don't assume that... For some of you guys, it's the most natural thing in the world to like come into this room on like a Wednesday night and sing songs, but like, I didn't grow up a Christian, and I'm not assuming that you did, and or that you really know what any of this is about, and so um, it might be weird for you to come in and be like, everyone's singing songs, and it feels like everyone knows the words, and um, I just want to say, acknowledge you if that's you, and say we're really thrilled that you're here. <laughs> And what we, the reason we sing and like we do stuff together, we read the word together, we sit down and listen to some random, obviously older person um, talk about the Bible, is because we believe firmly that the thing that Jesus is all about, the gospel, the good news, isn't something that's just for you as an individual or me as an individual, but it's something that we respond to as a group of people. Jesus um, came to save his church, and so we sing songs together. And we listen to God's word together, and we're glad that you're here part of that. If you like to come to RUF, and you're like, I'm not really into the songs, and you just like to stand there, I just want you to know that it's totally okay, and that we're really glad that you're here. You're free to process all this stuff at your own pace. And also what that means is you can invite your friend who would be weirded out by this and tell them, the dude in the front said it was okay for you to be weirded out by all this, and you can just be weird standing there, and no one's probably even going to know. Okay, all right. So anyway, we're glad that you're here. Um, Charlotte just read a passage from Luke chapter 15. Um, It's called the parable of the prodigal son. Last week we looked at the first part of that. And um, if you weren't here last week, I'll I'll summarize for you. Um, Basically, we're all chasing the good life or our vision of what we think the good life is. There's some vision in our head of what um, it will look like for us to be happy and healthy and doing the things that we want to do. And that vision of the good life determines all the decisions we make. It determines why you're at RUF tonight and not studying. Uh, it determines why you join a fraternity or sorority or not. It determines why you study or party or get a big group of friends or just one or two really close friends. Is because all of us are trying to live the life that we think is the good life. And last week, we looked at this younger son, this younger brother, and the way that he sought the good life, was the path of self-discovery, okay? Was breaking free of all the bonds of his family and traditions and religion and going out and finding what was out there for himself. So what he did, as Charlotte read, was he rejected his family and he went to his father and said, the only way I'm going to get my inheritance is if you're dead. And I wish you would just go ahead and die so I could have the inheritance. Will you just go ahead and give me the inheritance now because you're really no good to me. I just want your stuff. I just want your money. And he took that money. His father gave it to him. He took that money and he ran as far away as possible and he squandered the money on prostitutes and pleasure and just finding himself. And what that what happened to him is he ended up starving and half dead and he comes back home. And we, look, we looked at this last week that... This is, this is what God does. His father doesn't scold him, doesn't shame him, doesn't make him earn it. His, the father ran out to him and hugged him and welcomed him back as a son. And we saw that that's what God does to us in Jesus. He runs out to sinners and saves sinners. Now, the thing is, Jesus tells this parable, and everybody thinks, okay, this was the point. This younger son coming home, this prodigal son, this was the point. If you look on Google images and you type in prodigal son, Every picture on there is going to be the, the, the younger son and the father. Okay? But it's really awkward that Jesus tells this great story, and then he hits like the climax of the story, and then he just adds in this random stuff about the older brother at the end. right? The thing is, the story isn't chiefly about the younger brother. This story is chiefly about the older brother. Because Jesus is hanging out with these people called Pharisees, And Pharisees are the ultimate older brothers. They're the ultimate rule keepers, traditionalists, and they are mad at Jesus. And Jesus tells this story so that they will see themselves. Okay, so this story is about the older brother. And the way that the older brother goes about finding the good life is by moral obedience. by being a morally upright person that stays home, that keeps with the traditions and does everything that's expected of him. And broadly speaking, you are either typically either a younger brother or an older brother. And the reality is the vast majority of people in this room tonight are older brothers. The reason I know that you're older brothers is because you're at RUF on Wednesday. At 8.30 during midterms. And I can assure you there are more fun things to be doing right now. It's not raining anymore, so you could actually go do something. Um, Most of us in the room, if we're not older brothers, we have extreme older brother tendencies. Okay? So, what I want to do is if you have a handout, there's a little worksheet. I want worksheet this week, because why not? Um, And what we're going to spend most of our time looking at is signs that you might be an older brother, okay? It says, you might be an older brother if... um, And we're going to spend most of our time on that. Okay, so you might be an older brother if... Grace makes you resentful and angry, okay? You might be an older brother if grace makes you angry. Look in the passage. This older brother, he's out in the field, okay? He's working. He's working for the father, doing everything that the father wants him to do. He's a good boy, right? He's coming in from work, working for his father. And he walks up, and there's a huge party going on. A huge party happening at this dude's farm is probably not a daily occurrence. So it's obviously strange. And he didn't plan it. So he's obviously very confused. So he goes to one of the servants, and he says, what's going on? And the servant tells him, hey, your brother came back, like the loser one. And he's back, and your dad's throwing a huge party. He killed the fattened calf. It's going to be a huge blowout. And his first knee-jerk reaction is to be angry. His brother was dead, for all they knew. He was never, ever coming back. And instead of going, oh, my brother is back, his first reaction is to be angry and bitter and resentful towards his brother. And as we'll see, the reason why he is mad is because his brother doesn't deserve the party. He deserves the party, or so he thinks, and his brother doesn't deserve it. He gave up the right to this party when he ran away. And kind of what this looks like in our context is (laughs) grace makes you angry. So, um, like, let's say you've waited to have sex, okay? You've waited, you've you've kept that pure little gift, and you've kept it to yourself, and it's a good thing, I think, to wait um, until you are married to have sex. I did not do that, Um, but uh, I I think it's a great thing to do. So you're the person that you've waited, and um, you're not even dating, and you're a little frustrated because it's getting late in college, and everyone knows that you're a total loser unless you graduate in a serious relationship. If not engaged, or married. And so, or at least in the Christian weird subculture. And, um, which by the way, a, a, I heard a great quote the other day and it was like, Christian is the most beautiful noun and the lamest adjective. Um, but anyway, um, I'll, that one's for free. Okay. So, um, so you've waited, you've kept yourself clean and you don't have a boyfriend, but then there's the, the couple that they did, or you don't have a boyfriend or a girlfriend. And, um. And then there's the couple that didn't wait, or the guy or the girl didn't wait, and they're really serious, or they're even engaged, or they're even married. And like you go to their wedding, and like you pretend to be happy for them, but inside you're quietly resentful. Because like, that should be you, because you're the one that waited, right? Like you did it the right way and yet you're still waiting, and you're lonely. Um, you didn't get on Tinder, and they did and That's how they met. And now they're married, and they're Christians. <clears throat> I waited, so I should have that. Uh, Taylor Swift built um, her empire initially on, like, extreme older brother themes, okay? Like, she wears short skirts, I wear T-shirts, right? Um, <laughs> Like, she, she is the um, a, a, the careless man's careful daughter, right? Okay, remember this one? Okay, I love Taylor Swift, by the way. She's since turned to a younger brother, like, themes, and everyone's like, ooh, okay. Um, like, Ryan Adams wasn't going to cover, like, uh, Fearless, you know? Like, it wasn't going to happen, okay. But, so for example, and you belong with me, right? Can't you see that I'm the one that understands you? I've been here all along. Why can't you see you belong with me? Right? But, like, what's the assumption behind that? Like, I've been here. I've been your friend. I've earned this relationship. And then this, like, just this girl who, who won't dress. She'll dress a, a different way than me. She goes with you, but I earned it. Like, you belong with me. You're supposed to be with me. Um, Taylor, as she does, sums up... What it looks like to be an older brother. Or, this is, this is what I hear from freshmen. It's like you were like the youth group kid, and which is great. I'm also like very aware that I have three kids and I'm a minister. And like this is going to be them. So I'm just kind of preaching to myself, uh, which is a good thing to do. And um, so you're a Christian. You did the youth group scene, whatever. And you come to college. And then there's that person It's either your roommate or the person on your hall. That like they say they're a Christian. But like, they don't live like they're a Christian, and everyone's like, "I know him, mm-hmm. I know her,", I know her. Um, and so like, I'll talk to you, and 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 you'll say like, "Yeah, well, she says she's a Christian, but I mean, like, we must just be different kinds of Christians because I don't do the stuff that she does, um, or like, or like he says he's a Christian, but." Uh, I think he's just saying that. I think he's just saying he's not really. Like, like as you, as you can see, you can penetrate the heart of another individual and see. And you don't move toward, like your first impulse isn't to like, wow, like they're living in a hurtful way. Like I need to move toward them. They obviously need like encouragement and like my love and support. Cause man, that could be me. You're just like, yeah, I don't hang out with them because like I'm looking for friends that share like my values. Um, That is what, Grace making you resentful and angry that someone else is doing well and they haven't earned it is the, the chief indicator of being an older brother. So uh, grace makes you angry. The next indicator of if you might be an older brother is that you refuse to party. Okay? You guys are like, wait. Um, okay. He, he gets angry and he says he refused to go in. The father actually comes out of the party and comes to his son and says, like, please come in. Like, you can imagine he was, like, sort of, like, grabbing, like, no, like, come, like, this is a huge party. I just killed the most expensive thing that we own so we could have a huge party. Will you please come in and eat it because we don't have a refrigerator. Like, come in <laughs> to the house. He begs him to come in. The son refuses to go in. He's so angry that he will not go into the party. And part of the reason is because he knows that the expenses for this party are coming out of his pocket. Because when his dad broke up the inheritance, he gave a third to the younger brother, and two-thirds goes to the older brother. That fattened calf belongs to the older brother. And yet his dad has slaughtered it, and he's throwing a huge party. Older brothers always think that God's resources are scarce. That, like, you got to hold on to it, man. Like, you can't, like, give that away. And older brothers always think that when God blesses someone else, it's at their expense like you're going to lose something if you go in and celebrate God's grace like if you go to that person that like they've been living crazy and they make one tiny step toward like you know whatever the right direction is like you can't celebrate that because you might lose something you might lose your standing you might lose your self respect or they might not they might suspect that you're like them Uh, God forbid Um, and the reality is like older brothers just aren't fun um, like there's the reason why it, potentially the reason why people outside of your friend group don't want to hang out with you is because they feel like super judged when you hang out with them and like you aren't fun. Um, and the reason why you aren't fun, I'll say the reason why we aren't fun, I started off as a younger brother and then I've just like gone straight hell bent towards older brotherness. um. And I'm making some good progress, so. Um, The reason why we aren't fun is because we're not free. Because, like, we have something to, like, maintain and uphold, and people need to know, like, we aren't free to enjoy God's grace and celebrate. Because, in a sense, we're trying to earn it. We can't deviate. We might lose out. Um, So, like, for example, (coughs) um, you know, if you're an older brother, like, you don't smoke or cuss. And... Uh, because like you don't do that stuff or maybe you do smoke or cuss but the smoking or cussing is just there to highlight the fact that the rest of your life is perfectly in order and see I can be mature and smoke the cigarette because look how good the rest of my life is I'm not like one of those other people outside of Parthenon at 2 o'clock tonight smoking a cigarette right I'm the mature Christian cigarette smoker Um, this is no comment one way or the other about cigarette smoking I think that this, the data is clear. but um. Okay, so you refuse to party. Grace makes you angry. Um, older, for older brothers, the Christian life feels like slavery. Feels like bondage. Feels like drudgery. Okay, Like living the life that God says, this is how you should live. This is what's going to be best for you. If you feel like doing that is just like so unbelievably difficult all the time. Um, look what look what the, the, the son says. The older son there says his father comes out. His father's begging him to come to a party. His father's not begging him to like go back to work. He's like come into a party and have a great time. And look what he says. Uh, it's there in verse twenty nine. But he answered his father. Look. He's like you listen to me, old man. Um, I mean it's funny, but like but seriously, he's like no no you look. You listen. All these years, look, these many years I have served you and I never disobeyed your command. I've, I've served you. Like the word actually means I've slaved for you all these years. Not like, boy, I've enjoyed living with you, serving with you, being your son, living in the love of your father, enjoying all the things that you've given to me for free because I didn't earn any of this inheritance. I just got it by being born he doesn't say, it's, this is what it's been like being with you. He says, I've slaved for you all these years. His life with his father felt like slavery to him. Like, it was just hard work. That's what it was. That's how much he thought about it. The younger son, okay, he wants the father dead. But at least he has, like, the gall to, like, say it. Like, to be honest about it. The younger son is, like, the ultimate passive-aggressive, like, He hates his father just as much. And the way that he's gonna get what his father wants is by always doing what his father asked him to do every time. So his father could never go, "Uh uh-uh. You're disqualified from it. He has met every standard along the way, and really, he's just like the younger son. He only wants the father for what the father can give him. The father is only good as the father's stuff. And what's interesting is the younger son went into a far country. The, young, the older son stayed home, was probably more distant from the father than the younger son was. There was more of an emotional distance between them. So my question for you is, when you think, if you're, if you're a Christian, by the way, like you don't have to be a Christian to be an older brother. Like, being a jerk, you can just be a jerk. Um, like, just being a judgmental jerk is like equal opportunity, man. Like, anybody can get on it. Like, you could be... You know, you can be, like, the person that actually volunteers because you're actually consistent. And you're, like, bought in and everyone else is just inconsistent. Or you can be the person that, like, anytime anybody has, like, the minor, those minor slip-up on Facebook, like, slams them, shares their status, points out that they are the worst. Okay? That is an older brother tendency that you don't have to be a Christian to do that. Maybe you're the person that hates everyone in your class because you actually study to get the grade. That's going to be the same grade that that stoner kid gets and he doesn't do any work. Um, And you hate him in your heart. But when you think about serving Jesus, does it feel like drudgery? Like, does living as a Christian feel like drudgery, like slavery to you? Are you convinced that God wants you to be miserable all the time? And that serving Jesus, just looks like you being unhappy all the time and working and breaking your back all the time. Look what also he says. He says, I, I've slaved for you and you never even gave me a young goat. I mean, I don't know how many of you guys are like really upset that your parents didn't give you a young goat. Um, the older brother always thinks that God is stingy with them. And the reality is the older brother has the bigger inheritance. You understand? Older brothers always think that God is stingy, resources are scarce, when in fact they have received much more Than younger brothers. Some of you guys are recognizing this because you're like, my family was stable and we always went to church and I'm super judgmental. Um, You got the bigger inheritance. Or you're like, you're thinking, okay, I try really hard to make friends and it doesn't come naturally for me. And people don't, they're not like drawn to me. And other people that don't work, people just want to be their friend all the time. Or, like, guys or girls, like, are just drawn to them. Like, they can get any date they want to, and I'm out there working hard, going through the first dates, and nobody wants to go on a second date with me. Like, I'm doing it the right way, and they're not, and I don't have friends. Um, do you think that God is, is being stingy with you? That like he's holding back from you? That you're only going to get blessed if you dot your, dot your T's and cross your I's? That's not actually correct. <laughs> dot your I's and cross your T's. Um, okay, and then he says, like, this son of yours, like, he hates his brother. Okay, this guy's the worst. Okay. This is one of the things that's really hard about growing up in a Christian environment. Okay? Uh, a friend of mine calls this, this is the awkwardness of growing up Christian. And, like, the vast majority of you guys grew up in a Christian environment, whether or not you went to church or not. I never went to church, and I grew up in a Christian environment. Um, uh, Growing up in the Christian environment is almost a training ground for becoming an older brother. Um, And the reason is, is because a lot of times when we grow up in a Christian environment, we grow up going to church. Sometimes we get a little taste of what, like, the Christian life is. We just get a little taste of it, and that's the only thing we get, and having that little taste keeps us from getting, like, the real thing, okay, so, like, it's about to be flu season, okay, I hope you all get your flu shot, again, the data is clear, um, get a flu shot, or get a flu mist, which is less invasive, thank you, all right, and, um, one girl's like, oh, the flu mist, I'm in now, like, I'm locked into the sermon time." um, what is a flu shot? A flu shot is a tiny little bit of flu that's dead, right? It's not, it's not dead? It's alive? It's, alive. it's weakened. It's weakened? Well, anyway, it doesn't matter that it's dead or not. <laughs> 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 the flu shot is, however, a little bit of the flu, is it not? Okay, right, okay. All right. Settle back with me the flu shot uh, you know what we're just going to forget the flu shot okay we're off the flu shot I'll tell you a different story okay this guy named Sinclair Ferguson by the way the flu shot it, you get a little bit of flu and it keeps you from getting the full blown flu okay that was the where we were going with that okay <laughs> a guy named Sinclair Ferguson who I respect who's a pastor he's Scottish and he grew up in Scotland and um, he talked about when he, one of his earliest childhood memories was his mother giving him a thimble full of whiskey okay and it's like, are his parents alcoholics? Like, um... And he makes the point, he said, no, actually, Scotland is like the most alcoholic place in Western Europe. And his mom was so hell-bent on him not becoming an alcoholic, that as soon as he was like, even able to form a memory, she gave him whiskey knowing that he would never have a taste for it. And he spewed it out of his mouth. And he said, that little thimble full of whiskey was enough to keep me off whiskey for the rest of my life. And the little thimbleful, the little inoculation of of the Christian faith we get is this idea that if you do well, God will bless you. And that's all you get. And that is enough to inoculate you against the gospel. And some of you guys are like, I got that and I just gave up this Jesus thing because that's not for me. And I'm here to tell you, that's not the whole story. That was just the thimbleful. And some of you guys got that and now for the rest of your life, you're going to be the person that's like, if I don't get what I think I should get, I'm going to be angry at God because I earned it. I didn't sleep around. I married the right person. I got the right job. And you're going to be 50 years old and your kids are going to rebel against you and you're going to go, why? I earned it. He's not allowed to do this to me. And that will be what it looks like for you because you've been inoculated against the gospel. Um, Look, this is what's really hard about being an older brother And this is why I'm being really forceful And kind of like a little bit wild about this When you're a younger brother You can look around at the mess of your life And realize you have a problem And if you're an older brother You look around your life Everything's fine Being an older brother will actually get you far in life It will get you a better job It will get you better friends. It will get you into a better neighborhood. And it will put you far, far, far from Jesus. Because you will think that God is a cop. And he is waiting to bust you. And you will never love him. Because he's waiting to bust you. Because you have to earn it. And here's the good news for you. If you are suspicious that you might have elder brother tendencies. Look in the passage. He's angry at his father. And look what the father says at the end, starting in verse 31. And he said to him, son, 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 he's still a son. You are always with me. And all that is mine is yours. Son, everything I have is for you. It's yours. It's accessible. Just have it all. Just take it all. But you can't get it by earning it. You can only merely receive it as a gift. This is like their room of requirement. Okay? Harry Potter nerd out. If if you don't need it, it's not there. The only way you can get it is by needing it. We sang a song earlier that said... Um, Let not conscience make you linger, nor fitness fondly dream. All the fitness God requires is to feel your need of him. That's it. He says, just put out your hand. Like, I'm going to give you everything. Please just come into the party so I can bless you and lavish you and celebrate with you. Sometimes I think that we want to work our fingers to the bone for God's minimum wage. When he's got this, like, huge publisher's clearinghouse you know, multi-million dollar check. And he's like, just take the check, man. And you're like, no, 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 I'm I'm logging my hours because I don't want you to be able to hold that check over my head and say, you gave it to me. I want to have some skin in this game. And the reality is this passage inflicts a wound on many of us. It's a good wound from Jesus. And the balm, the ointment that Jesus provides on that wound is that y'all... Everything the Father has is yours. It's just waiting, and he wants to give it to you. Jesus died to get that check just to give it to you with no strings attached. And so Jesus comes to the end of this, and it's as if he's saying to us that he didn't just die for your sins. Jesus died for your damnable good deeds. He died for everything that you've been doing to make God like you and earn it. He already died for that. Just take the check. Jesus comes to the end of this story and imagine him standing with these Pharisees and he doesn't resolve it. He just leaves it totally open-ended. The father says, hey, we were rejoicing for your brother. And it's as if he's looking at those Pharisees and saying, what are you going to do? What's the last chapter going to be like in this story for you? Are you too spiritual for God? Are you too moral for God? Is his grace going to make you angry forever? So this this is the word I want want to leave you on. Uh, Repentance. Um, We say repent a lot in RUF. I don't assume that everyone always knows what that means. Repentance literally means you're walking in one direction... And you turn around and you go in the other direction. And older brothers hear that and they go, I'm walking in the bad direction. I turn around, I walk in the good direction and do the right things. And repentance really means turning away from your selfishness and self righteousness and sin and turning to God. It's active, it means stopping right now from your elder brother tendencies and turning to God and facing Him and saying, I'm really sorry. How you can repent tonight is by admitting, even for the first time, that you were wrong about the Father. That you thought for sure he was going to bust you when you messed up. And you had to earn it. And he's saying it's all yours. Um, I'll leave you on a a story. I was was doing that thing this morning where I went running. This has never, ever happened to me. I mean, I haven't ran before, which is not obvious. But... um, (laughs) I was running, and I realized I was running, and I was crying, but I wasn't like, oh, I'm about to cry. Like, the crying was just happening, Um, and I was like, and I need to start going back to my counselor, which is true, and um, I was listening to this story, and it was really briefly about a, a Chinese man. He was from Fujian province, and they speak Chinese there, and he came to America, and he opened a Chinese takeout restaurant, and he had a son. The thing was, the guy never learned to speak English, and the son came up, and they just thought he would just catch on to Chinese, and he never learned to speak Chinese. So it's a father who can't speak English and a son that can't speak Chinese. And so his entire life, they grew up in the same house, and they never talked to one another. Like they would have, if it was just the two of them, they would have dinner, and it would be dead silent between the two of them. And so the son came to believe, my father hates me. Because eight years later, they had another son and they sent him to Chinese school and they had a great relationship because they could talk. The younger brother and the father could get along great because they could speak the same language. And he was convinced that his father hated him until later in life, at the end of middle school, his father had to move back to China. And when his father moved back, he wrote a letter to his son in Chinese. And his aunt translated it to him. And when he read it, the letter was basically a seven-page letter detailing like... When you were born, my life changed forever. Like, my life had new meaning. Everything that I did, I worked 15 hours a day at a Chinese takeout restaurant because I wanted you to be healthy and happy, and it was all for you. And I love you. And that was the first time he ever heard his father say, I love you. Because he couldn't hear him. And he had to, at that moment, admit, I was wrong about my father. He loved me all along and everything that was his was mine. And may God help us tonight to have the courage to repent and say, Father, I was wrong about you and trust Jesus and go into the party. Let's pray. Uh, Father, thank you so much for your great love, for your great grace. We don't want to go into your party because we think that you're a jerk. And, Lord, we need desperately, we need Jesus. We need to see Jesus giving himself freely for us. Lord, would you melt our hearts, turn them toward you, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.